Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Kings chapter 2. And uh, this is Manto Sunday. I've entitled the message today, The Bethel Year. I want to talk a little bit about, um, because it's a Manto Sunday, we're celebrating that the Manto came. It just would make sense that we talk a little bit about that and, and things that relate to that. And uh, uh, I, the series I started on uh, a little while ago, uh, I want to continue about the Let Us. Do you remember what those three are? Do you remember what the three lettuces are? Not lettuce. Because now some of you are thinking about burgers and lettuce and salads. No. Let us draw near. Your intimacy with God is always first. Let us not cast away our confidence. That means releasing our faith, exercising faith on purpose every day for something. And there's usually many things. And let us consider one another by not forsaking the gathering in the local church. The Lord said to me, if they'll do, I have to repeat it. I'm going to repeat that many times because he said, if they'll do those three things, I'll get everything done that I want in your life in this local church. Meaning your, your attendance and your submission and your loyalty and your hunger for God in his house is paramount. But more than that, uh, your intimacy and love for him is paramount. But the love for him will produce a love for what he's doing. Do you understand? And your faith, needing your faith. Remember the first thing Brother Randy said that God's telling him to preach everywhere and focus those three simple steps is release your faith, which comes by the word. Be led by the spirit, which comes by tongues and know your dominion. What are, what are, the, first, what are the three things Brother Jerry said for the 2024 prophetic word? What's the first thing he said? Release your faith. Meditate on the promises of God. And number three, don't be distracted by what's happening in the world. All, but release your faith. Do you notice how important that is to God? Because it's his currency. Without faith, you can't even make him happy. So uh, let us draw near. Let us release our faith, basically. Not cast away means release your faith. And then let us, uh, let us consider and, and love each other and not forsake. And so those three areas, there's another part to that, which I was going to preach the next Sunday, but then the Lord interrupted me and said, talk about breakthrough. And so we preached last Sunday about breakthrough and what that means, praise God. And, I, and they were special, there was a wonderful anointing that came that I did not quite expect that to come, but it was, if you didn't watch, if you weren't here, make sure you watch. That'll come off of the screen and get on you. There was a spirit of faith last Sunday morning. It'll get on you. It's contagious. It will get on you. But this Sunday is a Manto Sunday. I have another part to that Let Us series. I'm going to do that next Sunday. But I just feel like uh, it would make sense that we talk about things to do with the mantle since we're celebrating the mantle today. First, 2 Kings chapter 2, if you're with me. 2 Kings chapter 2. And uh, we know the story. This is the story of Elisha. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I've got many other things to say to you this morning. And for sake of time, I don't want to read the whole chapter. But remember that when he, he was hooked up with Elijah for... Theologians say seven to eight years. And uh, he threw his coat over him when he was plowing. He had a job. The man of God had a job. He wasn't lazy. He had a job. The man of the, his spiritual father, Elijah, threw the mantle over him. Says, come on now. And uh, there's some nuggets in here, so listen. And, uh, and he says, well, let me go back and say goodbye to my mom and dad. Nothing wrong with that. But, but Elijah said, uh, I don't care what you do. I'm giving the paraphrased version. He said, I don't care what you do. You don't have to come with me. Right from the beginning, the spiritual father didn't encourage that son. See, people think the spiritual father has to be here patting you on the back all the time, and that's not scriptural. No, it's actually not. It's not. Uh, the son needs the father more than the father needs the son, and the son has to figure out the need to stay close 
not the father trying to mollycoddle the son to try to convince him to stay close. Because I've learned when you do that, they never stay close anyway. I'm talking to ministers more than anybody else, but okay. So uh, he goes on, and now that boy, that boy, Elisha, has to serve him for many years. And without, the, without any preaching opportunities, without any anointed opportunities, that was says that he poured hands upon him, water upon his hands. Yeah. Yeah. That means that he did the dishes. He, he pulled out the garbage. He, you know, he, he set up camp. Natural things that did not seem very spiritual, but they were testing the heart yes. and testing the faithfulness. Let me tell you something. In all areas, ministers, but everybody, laymen, every, every Christian, in all areas of life, when God is trying to get you in a place of, of succession and of promotion, he oftentimes will give you menial, mundane things that don't look like they've got anything to do with your promotion because he's trying to see your heart and if you're humble enough and faithful enough to do them without arguing and without complaining. The willing and the obedient. It's not just the ones that do it. It's the ones that have the right attitude as they do it. And Elisha passed that test. Now he's sensing, are you listening? He's sensing the time is coming for his, it's his time now. And, and he's picking up, my, my master's going to go. He's not the only uh, dog in the fight that picked that up. Fifty sons of the prophet picked it up. They were spiritual enough to recognize the season for Elijah is coming to an end. But there's always some, if this, fits, if this is a shoe that fits for you, then put it on and wear it. Because there's always some that are watching from a distance. And there's very few that are up close. It's easy to watch from a distance. 50 sons watching from the window, watching from the balcony. But there's very few that are, are very close with what God is doing in the earth. Don't be the 50, be the one. So he starts this journey now, and this is the end of the journey for Elijah. And Elisha picks that up, and he says, the people there in Bethel say to him, the sons of the prophet, you know, his master, shut up, I know he's going to leave. I don't need you telling me. That's how we know they knew, because he told them to be quiet. And then he says, uh, as a, then Elijah, the father who should be encouraging the successor, he don't encourage him at all. Now listen to me. God spoke something to me. He said, you think he didn't encourage him because he was mean. Well, that's what most people think. Personally, I kind of thought he was mean too. He's hairy. Hairy people are always mean. I'm just sorry. He's hairy. The Bible says he is full of hair. My God, that guy's got hair coming out of his ears, his nose, his eyes. He's so hairy. And Elisha is bald as a baby's bottom. The Bible says that. It doesn't say baby's bottom, but he does say he was bald. That's why the children came up to him and said, go up, baldy, go up, baldy, because the, the hairy one had just gone up in the tornado, and, and, and he, they're, they're mocking him to follow his spiritual father, go up, baldy. So, but, but you know, hairy people, we're going to problem. Always watch out for hairy people, okay? Just, just watch that out, okay? <laughs> okay, sorry. I'm getting back on track. So, uh... Where was I going with that? I, I got distracted, Jennifer. I thought he was mean. Thank you, Reverend Taylor. Because he does sound kind of mean. He says, stay here. I don't even want you around me. Stay here. And then he says, as the Lord lives and as, my, as, the, as the Lord lives and as thy soul lives, I shall not leave thee. And he follows him on. I used to think that Elijah, the, the father, was mean. And I heard the Holy Ghost speak to me recently. And he said, you think he's mean. He said he wasn't mean at all. 
He said, it is imperative for the development of the son that you try to push them away. Are you listening to me? Because when you push somebody a little bit away and you don't mollycoddle them, you are now going to see what's really in them. Do they really have the steel? Do they really have the guts? Do they really have the heart? Anybody can be faithful when you tell them you love them. But when you don't encourage them, can they still recognize your role in their future? And I saw that from a whole nother angle. And he said he wasn't mean, although it sounded mean. He was checking his, he was helping develop his heart. He was exposing his motives. He was developing that young man for greatness. And Marty Coddling does not develop. I'm talking about ministers now. It, it, you know, anyway, so as the Lord lives, as I so lives, I will not. He passed the test, brothers and sisters. That's Bethel, the place where God speaks. That was our 2017. Because Jan, January 17th, God said, you're coming into another season. And this year is going to be called Bethel. He told me why. Then, of course, the, then he goes down to, Jordan, to Jericho. And he says again, stay, you, you stay here. No, as the Lord lives, as I so lives, I will not leave thee. That was, uh, that was a season of first, and that was our 2018 year. I'm not going into all the symbolism of that, but we preached that many times. And then he goes into the plain of Jordan, and Elijah parts the, the, the river. And he says, you know, stay here. And he says, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not leaving you. And then they cross together. And, they, and that was a, a year of transition. We talked all about that. I'm not repeating that. But when any time Israel crossed the Jordan, it was a new season about to happen. And so we talked about all that. That was our 2019 year. And then, of course, now they're in the plain of Jordan. And then, of course, the great, great distraction comes, which was the horse and the chariot of fire. And he said, but if you, if you look at me, just keep your eye on me. Don't get disconnected with me because of this amazing sight. Just stay with me and you'll get that anointing that you're after. And I'm sure it took every bit of, of, of focus for Elisha not to look at that amazing sight of a fiery horse and a fiery chariot. But he kept his eye on Elisha as he went up in that, in that tornado. The Bible says he went up in a whirlwind. And he kept his eye on him. See, when you have been tested and proven that you're truly with somebody. And I'm not just talking about ministers, I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. This church, typically, because of my kind of anointing an office, I am not typically a Marty coddler. I know some pastors are. And, and, and that's probably why we aren't a thousand people. I'll be honest with you. We've had way over a thousand come and go looking at the records. Does that make me a failure? Absolutely not. It makes them a failure because I know what God has said. And I know what is, I know what makes warriors. Most churches are filled with people, but they're filled with wimps. They're filled with people that the, the first sight of, of problem and stress and strain, test and trial, or a doctrine that doesn't fit their sinful lifestyle, they're gone. They're gone like rats off a ship. I know how to make warriors. Dr. Dufresne knew how to make warriors. Jesus knew how to make warriors. I'm not the best at it, but I'm learning. I'm trying. And I know we could be a lot larger if I just told everybody they were wonderful. And you are wonderful. And I love you. But to train people, Elijah didn't mollycoddle. He he helped develop character. He helped develop something of steel in their backbone. And then after all of that happened, there was still an opportunity for this great son to miss the whole ball game. Even after he had passed the faithfulness heart test. 
He could have still missed it by being distracted. And you may have passed the test and, and stayed and this is where I'm planted and you know, yeah, it's a little bit hard hitting, but it's good for me and God's turning me into something strong. But you can still miss the anointing for the next season of our, of our, of our ministry life, 2024, if you get distracted. Yeah. Distracted with this, distracted with that, distracted with, I need that, that, that fifth job. I, I need extra money for this. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't have more jobs. I'm just saying, uh, keeping a focus on God and a focus on his house, the local church, and what we're doing here is paramount to you getting that anointing. It's a spiritual, biblical law. It's not me that made it up. It's not me that made it up. That's why he says, don't forsake. Because you've got to, if you're not around, if you're, if you're distracted, if you're not present in the flow, you're not going to get that, uh, that impartation that you're going to need for your business, for your life, for your marriage, for your family, as well as this local church. And so he, is, he goes through these stages. That was our 2020 year. The mantle came. December 12th, 2020, 2.45 a.m. After a 40-day fast, that, uh, Jesus walked in the room. I was so weak. I was so tired. I was so at the end of my rope. I mean, I, I physically, I, was, I, was, I couldn't help. My body was kind of almost going into many convulsions because I hadn't drank any water for over 24 hours. I hadn't eaten for 40 days. Uh, God told me to do that, but I was, I was just, my body was shutting down. Can I be honest with you? And two angels came. I felt their hands, one on my left shoulder, one on my right in that little closet where I was praying. And as soon as they touched me, I physically felt their hands come down on my shoulders. All those tremors stopped. Everything stopped. I was perfectly like in a, in a crystal clear zone. I don't know how to explain it. Jesus walked in front of me. He poured something over my head. I don't know what it was, but it felt like liquid. And he said, now I have anointed you and that mantle has come. And he walked out. And that happened at 2.45 a.m. on December 12th. And because that was the single largest event uh, in my ministry, other than starting this church, even more than starting this church, that was a moment in time that God set for that to happen. And it was very particular. There's still things about that event I've never even told people. There's things about leading up why it was on that day, the reasons it was on that day, why it was at that time in the morning. The, the, God is so, listen, he created physics. His nature is meticulous. He knows everything about this planet and the natural world. And he knows everything about the spiritual world. And believe me, there's a lot more symbolic parallels than you realize. And there's things I'll never share because they're too private to share. But just take my word for it that that mantle was a, a, it was a, it was a demarcation line. It was an important thing. And really, what was it about? Why did the mantle come on Elisha? It came on him. Why was it on Elijah? Because that anointing, that mantle represented, that cloak represented an anointing on an assignment. That anointing was there to help Elijah fulfill his office, to help him walk out the prophet's office. That anointing, that mantle came on Elisha in a double portion, but to help him walk out the prophet's office. Because up until that time, he had been a, he'd been a ministry of helps. Now he was stepping into an office. You can't just step into an office without an anointing that comes on you. That anointing came on him to step into an office. Why is this so important for us? Because I, I, all those years I served, for 17 years I served. Associate pastoring, traveling, doing 100 different things. For 17 years I served without my own ministry being my own. And then I started this church. And for 15, for, for, from 2008... Uh, until 2020, basically, for 12 years, I, I was in a pastoral role only. 
And in those years, that's, that's what I thought I'd be forever. And I'm happy with that. I'm not ambitious. I'm very happy for that. But God was saying, there's another office that has to come to the forefront. And then that year in 2020, I knew it before. Dr. Dufresne talked to me about it before, but it had never been said publicly before. And Randy showed up in March that time just before COVID, and he starts talking about the apostle's office. But earlier, I'd noticed that he talked about that before as well. I'd forgotten. But he really emphasized it bold and strong before that event happened later in 2020. God was publicly, not through my voice, through other voices, who I never said a word to. I never ever talked about anything to. They just knew it by the Spirit and began to speak about it. Because God was putting his stamp of approval, there's something more than the pastoral office. So why? What does that mean? When we talk about the mantle, what are we talking about? We're talking about an anointing that came. Why did the mantle come on Elisha? To help him step into an office. To execute an office that he wasn't, that he needs the anointing to do. You can't do it without the anointing. I was in a pastoral office. God was saying, there's another office. You have to come into another office. You can't come into that other office without a special anointing. That anointing had to come. That's what we call the mantle. That mantle, that anointing came to help me step into that office. Are you with me? So that's what happened. That's why that's an important day. That's why I honor that day, the memory of that day. Because on that day, the offices changed from just a a, a lower office to a higher office. And I stepped into that. That anointing caused me to step into that. Now listen to me closely. There was a season, God told me at that time, he said, now, now you're in it, but it's not really operating. You know, you, you can sit in a car, but not go anywhere. Do you understand? You can idle that car, but until you put it in gear, it's not really going anywhere. But are you in the car? You're not in the house, you're in the car. You're in the office, but you're not going anywhere. Why aren't you going anywhere? Because I've got to test you. Haven't I been tested enough just to get the mantle? Yeah, there's more. I gotta test you. I gotta make sure that your heart's right. I gotta make sure that your ambition's dead. I gotta make sure that this desire, because what did he say when he on that the first thing he said on day, I think it was eleven or twelve, whatever it was, of that 40-day fast. I remember exactly where I was. I had he hadn't said a word to me in all those days, and I thought there must be something wrong. Why isn't God speaking to me? I'm fasting, and the beginning of a fast is the hardest part. So that was a really hard time. But he spoke to me on that tenth or eleventh, twelfth day, whatever it was, it's in my journal. And he said, and he spoke to me, he showed me a globe. He gave me a mini vision, and he said, uh, thus far you've been doing little things, but he said, I'm now, he's talking about about this mantle, this apostolic office. He said, I'm going to take you, and he, sp- he put his finger all the way around the globe. He said, I'm going to take you all around the world. That apostle's office has to go all the way around the world. You think it's easy for me to talk about that? You know how many people judge me and say, oh, you know, you talk too much about this and you're proud? I'm not proud at all. I didn't ask for it. But if I don't talk about it, I won't participate in it. Because if you don't honor things, you don't participate in them. And if you don't talk about it, you don't participate. So I don't want to talk about it in the natural, but I have to talk about it because the Spirit of God told me, talk about it. So I know that this is a around the world thing. This, uh, this thing has to get to other nations. Other nations. It has to get to other pastors. My wife saw a vision with, with four, a number of pillars like Roman pillars. And then there was like a blanket of stars, what looked like stars behind. And she said, Lord, what is it? And he said, these are the promise of life works. And there wasn't that many of them, but there was some, and we have some works. But she said, what are those pinpricks of light like stars in the heavens? And he said, those, what was the exact phrase? Those are the sons and daughters of Pastor Craig, but they're not works. 
The pillars are works like South Asian church, like Delaware church, like the Philippine church, like the African work. Those are works, but there's a lot more, far more, multiple times over more sons and daughters with the message than there are works. So I'm not necessarily planting churches all over the world, but I have to take the message because sons and daughters need to come under that message. And I said to Matthew, who are the real ones? Cut out the riffraff. Cut out the ones that just want a handout. Cut out the ones that just think it's a novelty to be with the white man. Because in Africa, they don't think right. I said, cut them all out. I said, if you got 10 out of 200, I'll be thrilled. Because I'm not looking for numbers. I'm looking for sincere warrior hearts who aren't going to quit on me when the wind changes. I said, I expect 10 out of 200. By the time he's been doing research and talking and praying and talking to these men, I sent a video and I was harsh on the video. I said, I I don't want you. Like I have to be an Elijah. Stay back. I don't need you around me. I try to push him away on purpose to see where their heart's at. And and I said, now the ones that aren't the riffraff, the ones that are true sons that are going to stand with me for revival in Africa, that are going to fast and pray when I call for it. The ones that are serious, send me their photograph and pictures, uh, their, their spouse and their picture and their name and their church name and where they are. And, and, and about five or six came in and I thought, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. Out of 200, that's five or six. That's okay. That's okay. But then the next hour, another five or six. And then the next day, another 20. And then the next day, another 30. And I haven't even counted them because the texts just keep coming in. I haven't even counted how many they are, but, but I was surprised at the hunger there. Now, those are sons. They're not works. Those are stars. They're not works. And in India, what's happening in February with us going and bringing this message, and then Pakistan, and then China, and then other places, and now Saudi Arabia has asked, and now Iran has asked, and now I'm not saying I'm going to all those crazy places. God has to send me, and if he sends me, he better send me a legion of angels. But I'm just saying, wherever this apostolic call goes, there are sons attached to that because of the message. And that's what God is trying to get over to me. He's trying to say, now listen, I'm trying to help you understand this. On that, in 2020, I stepped into a new vehicle. But I have not gone anywhere in that vehicle. Because there is, you have to check things, make sure everything's right. You know, in the natural You check the mirrors, you make sure everything. There's a lot of things and tests that I have to have gone through in these three years of death. Because the vineyard parable is, is, uh, the vineyard parallel in the Old Testament is when when you plant a vineyard, the first three years, you can't touch the fruit, it dies. The fourth year, you tithe it. The fifth year and onward, it's increase. And the Lord said to me, now that starts in 21, right after the mantle came. And he said, don't expect much because you're not going anywhere. But you're in it. At least you're in it. Mm. But now I'm watching you. Now I'm seeing if you're going to deal with what I tell you to deal with in your life, in your marriage, in different things, in the church. And there's been 2021 was still a tough year. And we went back to the Jordan River. He said, reverse the steps now. Elisha went back with Elijah. Elijah's gone. Elisha went back. Part of the thing. And that was a season of obstacles and great revelation. And then he said, now go on to Jericho. And he went on to Jericho. That's the season of firsts. A lot of firsts happened in our ministry last year. A lot of assignments I didn't even know were mine started last year. Exactly the way the Holy Ghost said it to me, it's come to pass. Now we come into Bethel year. Remember, he's retracing his steps. 
Now 2023 is Bethel year. And I said, you know, I, I really tried to squeeze every bit of juice out of these Bible passages. And, and what does it all mean? And how do, what does this mean for us? And I usually have an opinion at the beginning of the year, Sandy, what that year is going to mean based on my interpretation of the word. And usually by the end of the year, like now, my interpretation has somewhat changed. <laughs> Because things have happened that I didn't know were going to happen. But in general, I had some generality in the beginning of the year. But when things happen, it has a way of focusing. So you really know what God was doing. Do you understand? And so what I maybe would have called Bethel year in January, because I preached about this the first, on January 1st, actually. I preached about this in the, in the evening service about the Bethel year. And those things have come to pass. But now that the year is over and I look back, I can see now really what Bethel was about. And Bethel, the primary example is Elisha because he's the person that we're following the story of. Now there's Abraham in Bethel and there's Jacob in Bethel. God gave me those, those other two, but they're not the primary examples. So I expected because Elisha is the primary example that, that, that what happened to Elisha in Bethel is probably what's going to happen to us. But boy... If it was two-dimensional on January 1st, it is now four-dimensional after I've gone through this year. So can I read you? You're still with me. You're not too bored, are you? It's important that you hear these things once in a while because most times I'm teaching doctrine or whatever. But, but this is visionary. This is prophetic. This is about the future and the past and helping you connect dots about why we're here. What is the DNA of this church? I want you to understand it so you can run with me. And most importantly, pray for me and pray for your, each other. So, now look at verse 23, 2 Kings 2, 23. And he went up, he had just healed the waters uh, in, in, in Jericho, verse 22. And he went up from thence unto Bethel. Remember, he's retracing his steps that he did with his father. And as he was going up by the way, there came forth little children. Oh, so cute. Out of the city. They weren't so cute and mocked him. And said unto him, go up, thou bald head. Go up, thou bald head. See? He don't got no hair. Maybe he wanted a transplant from his spiritual father, but he didn't get one. And he turned back. Oh, brother, he don't ignore it. Oh, no, not, the, not this man. Not the prophet with the double portion. And he turned back and looked on them. That's scary enough. And cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears. The men-bears were having a nap watching football. But the she-bears came out of the woods and tear 40 and two children of them. Now you say, that's mean. Well, old covenant is different to new covenant. God don't do that in the new covenant, but in the old covenant's dispensation of judgment, and uh, it was a totally different set of rules. Elijah called down fire and burnt to, to a crisp 50 men. Burnt them alive. I mean, if that happened today, CNN would be calling for Elijah to resign and defrock him from the assemblies of God, and, I mean, and, and then put him in prison for murder of 50 people. Thank God CNN wasn't around back then because it's a different world, it's a different life, and it was a different set of rules with God. Now in the new covenant, you can't do that. In fact, even, even James and whatever his buddy was, his brother, decided that, Lord, somebody like, like Richard says needs to die today. We all know somebody that needs to die, and they knew somebody that needed to die, and they were called the sons of thunder because they were always yelling, getting in a bad mood. And they said, Lord, we need to kill these people. Let fire come down. See? And what Jesus said, you, there's a devil talking to you. Wow. Yeah. You don't know what spirit you're of because that's not the Holy Ghost. Wow. 
but on a different dispensation that was the Holy Ghost. But now in a dispensation of grace, which Jesus was the bridge into, that's not the Holy Ghost. We don't kill people. God doesn't kill people. None of that happens. Now, just if you want to hang around a little while longer, I highly advise against it. But if you want to hang around just a little bit longer when I leave, you can just stay on this planet and you can watch what happens for seven years because he owes them seven years of Old Testament judgment which is why we revert out of the New Testament back to the Old Testament when that seven-year tribulation comes and God is going to do a rat-tat with his baseball bat and I'm telling you, there will be hell unleashed on this planet and hundreds of millions are going to be slaughtered by natural disasters alone, let alone wars. Because in the old, God is permitted to do whatever he needs to do in judgment. But in the new, which is what we're in now, until the rapture, in the new, he is bound to mercy and grace because the blood cries out grace. My God, you better be grateful we're in this dispensation. But it is coming to a swift and speedy end. So you see, he goes up there. Now that I knew that, and I preached this on the first, but really, I, if I had said, what, what is Bethel? What is the name of the year? It's a Bethel year, but what is it? I don't know if I really could have answered you because there's too many things I could have picked from different stories. But really, in, in honestly, this year has been the year of attack. And when I was praying, the Lord said that phrase to me, so I'm not just saying that I've made that up, but believe me, this has been the year of attack. Now, you'd get that from that story because these kids come up and mock him. And then he curses them and the bears kill them. But really, and that's all you hear about Bethel. So Bethel was just a bunch of attack against him. Loud mouths. People that are inappropriate. And then judgment. Delivering from the attack. So really, it, it has been from that perspective a year of attack. And I'm telling you this for a reason because we're going somewhere, so don't get discouraged. I know Taylor wants to come up and sing his breakthrough song because that breakthrough song is still the prophetic word for our future, but I'm letting you know what's happened. What's happened. Now, this has been, and I'm not giving details, so don't anybody come and send me an email and say, Pastor, I just would like some clarification, please, on number three. Could you just tell me what you're talking about and don't spare any details and tell me names? No, I, I can't respond to that. But I can tell you the, the God, the doggone, that's how Randy says it, yes. the doggone truth about it. This year, out of the, our entire life, we have never had an attack against our children that we've had this year. And that's a sober thing and we're still working through that, but God is giving us victory. Amen. We've never had a greater attack, me or my, both me and my wife, on different times and different occasions. We've never had a year where the attack against our health has been as strong as this year. But we don't talk about it much because we're not whiners, but we're getting on the other side of it because God is help delivering us from the children. The greatest attack against our church finances ever since we started this church has been this year, but God is delivering us. I'm letting you know why God said it's a Bethel year and why he said, look at Elisha, because that's going to be your year, buddy. There's a reason why he said that. And I can see looking back how accurate that word was. This has been the great, there's been certain attacks more than any other year against the staff to cause them to stumble, to cause them to get in disunity. But God is helping us and we're working through it. There's been the greatest attack against the aviation department this year for a number of reasons that I won't get into. But God, <laughs> if you knew, which I won't say, but if you knew, but God is getting us through it. 
even smaller things like Oasis. Doesn't maybe sound important to you, but, but if we don't have a certain amount of renters, we're gonna have to sell that property. And there is just, has been such an attack against the finances of that, of that place. And I know that's a small thing. That's not a very big thing in the vision. It maybe shouldn't even be on the system. Maybe it's a sub point under one of the numbers, but it's an area that I have to constantly use my faith. And I'm getting a little fed up with it, to be honest with you, because I don't, I've got many other things to use my faith for, but I'm just saying God is seeing us through, but there has been a buffeting about that. There's, there's the greatest attack <laughs> since I met Matthew and 2019, the greatest attack against him, against his family, and against the African work has happened this year. By far, bar none. And I can't give details, but you just take my word for it. For this congregation as a whole, I've never heard more people in a single period of time tell me the pressure that they're under, the tests and trials that they're going through, the attacks and the buffeting against their minds against marriages, against children. So that's why the Lord said to me in Barbados, tell them it's a season of pressure. So this has been a great attack on the congregation as a whole. That's, that's eight different categories I just mentioned there, and there's probably more. But First Corinthians 69 says, at the effectual door, there's an effectual door opened unto me. Remember I preached last week, Jesus went through the gate. There's an effectual gate, an effectual opening, an effectual door. And there's many adversaries. Why? Because Jesus has to break through. If he didn't need to break through, Joey, there would, there wouldn't be no problem. Why would you need a breakthrough if there was no issue? There was no need to break through. So the fact that he says the breakthrough has gone before you, the king at your head, remember Micah, means that Jesus had to break something because there's obstacles, but you're going after him and you're going to go through that open gate and you're going to go on. Because the breakthrough went ahead and you've got faith in that breakthrough. So that means that at that open door, it's not all easy. There are many adversaries, hindrances, opportunities to quit. And I'm telling you, why is that happening now? Why is this an attack year? Why? Because of this new phase three, this new season, because of 2024 is this new thing that we're coming into. It's a new door. It's a new gate. And that is why there's such an attack and there's been so many adversaries to try to hinder us and stop us from going through it. Now listen to me. 2024 is so important. It's more important than 23. It's more important in some ways than 25, although I don't want to say that because every year is growing in its importance. But it's the most important year that we've ever had. And you know why? Because the Lord said to me, you're in the car. That's how he said it to me. You're in the car. You're in the office. That came in 2020. But you haven't gone anywhere because the three years of death are testing. I'm testing you. God does test the reins of our heart. Bible says that don't say that God tests you when evil comes because the devil is the author of tests and trials. But the Bible does say he'll test the reins of your heart. He will test your mind, your thought life, your motives, why you're doing this. He wants to see if you've got mush inside or steel in your, in your spinal column. And the Lord told me in advance, I knew not much was going to happen, but he said, you got three years, you're in the car, but you're not really going anywhere because I got, I, got I got to work some stuff out of you. Except the corn of wheat falls in the ground and die, it abides alone, but if it dies, brings forth. This is a season of death. That he, then he said to me this earlier this year, I'm, I'm excited about it. Because he says, now I told you death would end. And now victory would start to show up, which is the fourth year is a year of increase. Yes, it's a tithe year, but it's still a year of increase. 
You're still able to touch the fruit. You just have to offer it to the Lord. We'll talk about what that means another Sunday. But he said, now I told you the fourth year, which is 24, is a year of increase. It's the beginning of the years of increase. Now he said this to me. He said, you're in the car, but 2024, you go into gear one. You're in it, you're in that office, but you're not really doing much in it because the season didn't call for it. But now 2024 has come, it's coming, it's on the horizon, it's come. He's talking present tense like it's already here. It's come and you're in it and you've passed certain tests. Now I can trust you to put it in gear one. He wasn't talking about an automatic. He was talking about a standard. Why? Because a standard, you have to change gears and, and every year we're going to another gear. You don't start in gear three, you'll, you'll, you'll stall the thing. Unless you're a real skilled driver, you can't even start in gear two, you'll probably stall it as well. You gotta start in gear one. Do you understand? God is starting us in 24. He's putting me in first, this church in first gear. The pastor's office is always operating and will get richer. Because he doesn't hurt the sheep for the world. Do you understand? It's going to get richer. It's going to get better. But for the apostolic office, which is what the mantle is all about, it's getting us into first gear so we actually start to make forward motion. That is why 24 is so important. It is a new phase. It is phase three. It is a new house. Think of it like a house. And we've come out of one phase, which is a house. We're coming into a new phase, which is like a new mansion. And there's rooms within that mansion that we have to, there's assignments, there's arsenal, there's, there's things in those different rooms. That's what Dr. Dufresne would call phases and rooms. The phase of the house, then there's rooms within that. And you go through each room as you're faithful, but you got to get into the house first. January 1st, we cross a threshold. We put it in gear one. We get into that new house. This is the apostolic activation house. This is the execution of it. This is not just the office that I'm sitting in. This is the office that is going to start to operate. And it's not going to start at a lightning fast pace because it's gear one. It's a start, but at least it starts. And that means the church is going to get more blessed because God never blesses out there and ignores in here. Ever. It, in fact, are you listening? It means the church has to start to grow. Because we can't fulfill that without this. We can't get the new building without this getting plumper. We're a little skin and bones right now, but we need to put some meat on the bones. Do you understand? So that's why this season of increase, yes, the mantle affects the international, but it still is directly connected to the domestic. Do you, are you following me? Some of you are looking at me like you're not sure. Now, did you notice here, please, in verse 23, 2 Kings 2, 23, and Elisha went up from thence unto Bethel. You wouldn't normally focus on that. You just read past it. But the Lord brought that to my attention earlier in the year. And he said, I expect you to go up this year. This is not a time to go downhill. This is not a time to go sideways. This is a time I want you to ascend. I want you to improve. That represents improving in some things. So isn't it interesting? The year with the greatest attacks, he also expects us to change some stuff and improve some stuff. So obviously it wasn't that hard or Elisha wouldn't have been able to do it. And I really do believe that in prayer and in consecration, because this is the last year of death, which means consecration, in that we have gone up. I know I have gone up. In a lot of areas, my wife has gone up. I know this church has gone up in general. Some of you more than others, because it depends how hungry you are and how faithful you are. That's going to depend on how you go up. 
You get to choose that, not me. But I know that I'm hungry and I know that many of you are and I know that despite the test, despite the pressure, despite the trial, those bears are getting us through. Do you understand? And we're still in the middle of all of this pressure. We have still improved. We have grown more consecrated to God. We have died to the flesh more because it's a death year. We have gone up in prayer. We have gone up in righteous living. I know as a whole, I can't speak for everybody, but I, in my spirit, I sense as a whole, the church has gone up despite the great attack. So we have fulfilled that. Hallelujah. And I'm so grateful I'm not saying that there's not going to be any attacks in the new year. I'm not saying that. There's always going to be tests and trials for the rest of our life. But I'm saying this year was marked by it, baby. Yeah. And God didn't leave us wondering that what was going on. He already kind of gave us that prophetic word ahead of time to say, there's going to be a little bit of a, a, a doozy. Because Elisha didn't enjoy Bethel. He didn't. Who would? I haven't enjoyed Bethel. I'm happy to exit. I haven't enjoyed it. It has not been an easy year. It has not been an easy year. The pressure that we have been under. And if you knew the things, some of the things that have happened, which I don't tell people, I can't tell people. Pastor Nancy is the only human being on the planet that knows things because she's my mother. But if you knew some of the things that have happened this year that you have absolutely no clue, you would probably start to cry. And I mean that without a joke. Because you have no idea what, and I'm not, I'm not bemoaning. No. If I was, I'd be telling you as things happened. Yeah. You have no idea what we have gone through this year. You have absolutely no comprehension. The fact that we are standing here today with a marriage stronger than it's ever been before Amen. and our health on the upswing yeah. and finances on the upswing and everything starting to turn slowly is nothing short of a miracle. Amen. And I mean that. Pastors look at me sometimes that know little bits. Only pastor knows the full. But they look at me that know little bits and they shake their head and go, my God, I don't know how you got through this. Well, I got through it because there's bears. There is called the power of God coming out of the woods to deliver me. God won't let me go. But he saw this coming. And he warned us. Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. You got to go a little faster with me, but I'm kind of feeling just relaxed. But it is 1149, so I guess I shouldn't be so relaxed. <laughs> Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. And Jacob went out from Bathsheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. He took the stones that was in the basin, put it over the pillows, and lay down the place to sleep. He told me I got to hurry, so I got to hurry. And he dreamed. And behold, a ladder set up from earth, the top of it reached heaven. Behold, the angels of God ascending and descending. Verse 13, Genesis 28, and behold, the Lord stood above it saying, I am the Lord God of Abraham, my father. Remember, he's leaving. He's just got the thing. Jacob wants to, I mean, Esau wants to kill him. He's running to Laban. He's on his journey of, of exile. I'm the God of Abraham, thy father, father, and of the God of Isaac, the land whereon thou liest, I will give it to thee and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread upon abroad to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south, and in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. That's a prophecy about Jesus. And behold, I am with thee, and I will keep thee, protect thee in all places whither you go, and I will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken. That's an amazing promise. Now listen, Jacob waked out of the sleep, verse 16, and said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I did not know it. And he was afraid, that means rever reverential fear, and said, how dreadful or how awe-inspiring is this place. This is none other but the house of God. So the house of God, the local church, is supposed to be awe-inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. 
let's hope that it will become more. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. This is the entrance. This is the, there's, a, there's, a, there's something here that opens up to the spiritual world. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took the stone that he had put for his pillows. I don't know what kind of a person sleeps on stones as pillows because I don't, know, I don't know if that would be very comfortable. But anyway, he took the stones for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil upon the top of it. And he called the name of the place Bethel. This is a season of Bethel. But the name of that city was called Luz at the first. And Jacob vowed a vow saying, if God be with me and will keep me, God just told him he'd keep him. But he's saying, if you do what you say in this way that I go and give me bread to eat and raiment to put on so that I may come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And this stone, which I've set up for a pillar shall be the, shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I shall surely give the 10th unto thee. This is a this is a covenant act of a promise to say, I'm broke right now, but when I get something, I'm going to be a tither. Yeah. And later on, God reminds him when he's leaving Laban, I haven't forgot your promise. And then that was in chapter 31. And then in chapter 35, he comes and he gives the tithe. God, don't forget it when you, when you, when you make a commitment. The point is this thing of Bethel under the Jacob analogy was a place where God speaks. Under Elisha, it's a place of attack. But under Jacob, it's a place of revelation. This is a place where God revealed things to him, where God spoke to him, where he had that dream. It represents God speaking. Yes. Are you understanding? And despite this attack, God has spoken so much to us this year. Yes. And giving confirmation after confirmation about the great breakthrough that's coming, like through Jerry, about 2024 being everything I've just said, about it being a season of, of turning and a season of increase and the death years ending and phase three beginning and all that stuff. I mean, it's, it's, he has spoken so much. Amen. In this year also, he's been reminding me about, which I've already told you, about 24 being the execution, the gear one, the movement of the apostle's office. Now listen to me just for a quick sec before I tell you the last scripture. If that, if 2024 is when the apostle's office starts to actually manifest, gear one, right? Yeah. That mantle gets movement, so to speak. Then if the office is now coming into movement mm -hmm. and the mantle is for the office, mm -hmm. that means the mantle is starting now to come into movement, which means since it came, listen to what I'm saying, since it came in 2020, the mantle has never operated in its, we've never really seen it do what it's meant to do because we've been standing still. So when we're talking about Mantle Sunday and 2024, what's on the horizon, what I'm trying to let you know is that this is a very big year for the mantle because that anointing is moving because if the apostle's office is making movement and it can't do that without the mantle, which is there for that office, it means the mantle is starting to make movement, which means if we're talking about the mantle today, it's time to celebrate because the mantle is finally coming into a place of movement where it is fulfilling its destiny, for lack of a better word, where what is in it now can start becoming manifest to the outside. And it's been three long years of death. One of those years was COVID heavy in 21. And then COVID light in 22. And then attack after attack after attack in 23. It's a wonder we're still here. But we are because we've got some bears. <laughs> I was so discouraged one day. This is before the plane arrived. So I went to the hangar to cry. 
But when I got there, I heard Pastor Nancy's words saying, don't cry in the power, in the rejoicing power flows. So it's empty hangar, turn the lights on. And I just thought instead of, I just wanted to get away from everybody and that's place, one place I can go, nobody has a key to, so I can, nobody can bother me. In my house, people can find me. <laughs> but nobody can find me there. And so I'm in there. I, I was so discouraged. This attack was so strong. And I went in there just to whatever, just to get away. But then I just, I, I need to just worship. I need to just pray. I need to just worship. I need to just pray. And, and, and I'm worshiping. And Taylor's not with me. So it's not that good. And then I thought, I've got a Tesla. So I opened up the door, pulled the Tesla in, opened up the gull doors, closed the door, and turned the volume up to max. Boy, and in that hangar, with that volume up to max, it sounds like you're in a concert. It's awesome. And I just put on praise and worship music and just started walking around that hangar, the car's in the middle, and just praying in the spirit and worshiping, and all that stuff's falling off me. Right? And I'm thinking about Bethel. This is, you couldn't make what I'm about to say up. This is wild. Just listen to me. I'm thinking about Bethel. And as I'm thinking about it and I'm walking, just circling that thing, circling that thing, praying and worshiping and praying and worshiping, I'm thinking about Bethel. And I'm thinking about those 42 nasty brats. I'm thinking about the attacks. I'm thinking about we're in the middle of it. This is in June or May or something. We're in the middle of it. We're in the heat of it. And I'm thinking about all this stuff. And then I'm, and I'm remembering, I know the stories, so I'm remembering, but bears showed up. Bears showed up. I wish I had the picture. I put it on the screen, but it would take me too long to find it, and then I'll lose my flow. But I'll maybe show it to you next week. But I, I was, I, and it's like the Holy Ghost, yeah, there's children, but there's bears, son. Yeah. Don't focus on the children. Focus on the bears, son. The bears represent my power. Yeah. The bears represent my deliverance. Yeah. So I started saying, Lord, I thank you for the bears that are showing up. The bears that are showing up. And as I'm walking, I've got my eyes kind of closed and open so I don't go in the wall. But I'm not really focused on my surroundings. And as I'm walking, I'm walking. You know what I'm talking about, Jenny. I'm walking toward that little, hot, little room that's in the corner. And I'm walking, kind of getting ready to turn left. And I heard the Holy Ghost say, look up. And I thought he meant, yeah, I know, like, look up, like, symbolically, like, lift up your eyes and be encouraged, you know. So I didn't look up because I'm thinking, yeah, Lord, I'm looking up. And he goes, no, actually, look up. So I looked up, what? And I see this yellow thing, which I've never taken down. The previous owner of the hangar put it up there, and I don't know why. But it's a yellow little placard, almost like what you'd, like a, like a, like a sign, you know, like a stop sign or whatever. It's kind of like that kind of metal like what you'd see on the side of the road, but it's only small and it's kind of like diamond shape. And on the picture, I don't know why he put it up. I've, I meant to take it down and I forgot, but it's a picture of a tourist because it's got a camera and a little baseball hat and he's running for his life and there's a bear chasing the tourist with his mouth open and his claws like this. And under it in French, it says something about you better run or something like that. Because I asked somebody, what does that mean? And it's in French, because they were French. And I heard the Lord say, look up. No, I mean, literally look up. And I saw, and I've just been circling, saying, I thank you for the bears. I thank you for the bears. I thank you for the bears. And the Lord's just chuckling. <laughs> look up. Oh, I'm looking up, Lord. No, actually look up. And I see the bear chasing. And I, I'm telling you, it's like, I don't know how to, I know that was a silly little thing, but it's like, I, God just used that thing to just, you have no idea how many times I've thought of that. When it gets tough, I look, I think in my mind of that yellow little placard. 
The bears, I don't know why would you have a picture in a hangar of a bear trying to kill a human? It doesn't make any sense. What kind of sick owner was this? Is he a psychopath? We should check his record. Maybe there's bodies somewhere buried. I don't know. But all I know, Sandy, is that he, he liked bears attacking people for whatever reason. But I've been saying thank you for the bears in the season of Bethel and looking up and there it is. You couldn't make that up. You couldn't make something like that up. God is just funny the way he orchestrates certain things. And I can't tell you how much that little statement has meant to me because this year has been a year of attack, but I'm focusing on the bears, not the children. And I hope you've been doing that as well. But the best is yet to come. The best, my brother and sister, is yet to come. Now, you know it's 12 o'clock, but in this church, you know that means absolutely nothing. You know that 12.15 is the official time, even though on our website, we're liars. We just say 12 because we want visitors to come. It's a lie. You know it's a lie. But just as I start to close, have a look at Genesis chapter 13, please. Yeah, Taylor, did you hear that? As I start to close, Genesis chapter 13, because I got to finish this up because I'm not bringing it up anymore next week. Hallelujah. If the, if the, if the apostolic is moving, means the mantle's moving. Praise God. No matter how hard this has been, the bears are here. The bears are here, Jennifer. Now, I'm going to say some things right now that you may not fully understand. I'm not explaining them. Don't ask me to explain them because I won't. But the Lord said, I need you to say it. So I'm going to say it, but I'm not going to explain some of what I'm about to say. And you're probably not going to know fully what it means. So you say, well, then why don't I just leave? Well, no, because we have to take the second offering and I just have to say some things. I just have to say some things. It's important that I have to say this. Don't try to figure out who I'm talking about because God won't show you people's business. But I'm talking about some very particular situations. And God recently revealed them to me. And he said, now, son, don't worry. Even though this is all part of the children, even though this is all part of the attack, it's okay. The bearers are getting you out. And so I want to read you. This is the other thing that we talked about January 1st. We talked about Jacob, Elisha, and Abraham. Abraham was also in Bethel. Genesis chapter 13 and verse 5. And Lot also, which went with Abraham, had herds and flocks and, her, and, and tents. And when the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great so that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaan and the parasite dwelled in the land. And Abraham said unto Lot, Let there not be strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen. For we both be brothers, we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself. Remember what Elijah, Elijah said? You can go. Does Lot have the response that Elisha had? As the Lord lives and as thy soul lives. And that's why Lot gets into Sodom and Gomorrah. That's why Lot gets kidnapped. That's why Lot loses. Then he loses everything in that city. He's now broke. And then he has sex with his daughters. And creates a tribe that torment the, the Israelites for hundreds of years. And that end up being slaughtered. All his descendants end up being slaughtered. All because he said, sure, I'll go. He's ambitious, he's self-willed, he's strong-willed, and he's thinking about his plan, his money, and his advancement instead of the divine connection. Are you listening to me? Because this is very important spiritual truth. Don't think about your divine, you don't think about your next house. I'm not saying God won't give you a house, but don't put that over the divine connection. Because if you're going to move somewhere where you can't drive to church, you're putting that over the, well, I need to, I need to get equity. Is it more important than the divine connection? It's not. 
Don't put your self-strong-willed mindset and your benefit, your ambition, your prosperity uh, over as I so lives and as the Lord lives, I will not leave where God planted me. When they were going to take the, 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 remember when Abraham was looking for a son for Isaac and, and, his, and his servant said, what if I can't find somebody? You know, can I take your son over there? And he said, under no circumstances, you read how harsh he spoke. He said, under no circumstances, he said, I would rather my son marry a heathen. Jesus had to come to that line. I would rather him marry a Canaanite. It means basically, I'm not trying to be vulgar, but what he was saying, if you really study it, is I'd rather him marry a whore. And I don't mean that vulgar. I just mean that these were whorish type people that were very sexually promiscuous in the Canaanite culture. They were known for it. And he's basically saying, I'd rather him, I'd rather him be with a, with a dirty person than leave the land where God has planted him. You read it. I'd rather him marry somebody wrong, but he will not leave where God has planted him. And yet people leave for all number of reasons. There are lots instead of Elisha's. Whether you realize it or not, I'm preaching very important things to you. Hallelujah. And uh, go. Separate yourself, I pray thee, from me. If you'll take the left hand, I'll go to the right. If you take the right hand, I'll go to the left. And not lifted up his eyes. He maybe shouldn't have lifted up his eyes, but he did. And beheld the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord, before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like unto the land of Egypt, like when you come into Zor. It looked like Eden, in other words. And Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves from one another. And Abraham dwelt in the land of, the Can- of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord. And watch, verse 14, and the Lord said unto Abram, there was no talking while Lot was there. But when, listen to me, because God said this to me this week and you need to hear, that's why I'm taking extra time and I won't be long. But the Lord said, Bethel, this was in Bethel. He said, Bethel is a place, not just of attack and not just a place of revelation where I speak. But he said, Bethel Bethel is also a place where I have to remove strife. Get the people of strife out. It's better that you thin the herd. And that has happened this year. There has been a thinning to some measure. Not, thank God, great measure. But there has been a thinning where we have to get people that don't know how to treat other people right. That, don't, that, that, that just don't care about the people. They may care about other things, but they don't care about the people. And it causes strife within the body. Bethel is a time to remove the strife. And I never saw that really until he shared that with me this week. He said, but son, I will not allow because of what's about to happen, what's about to come. He said, I will not allow strife. So you have to, you have to deal with that. And God's helping us deal with that. Okay. Praise God. And the last one, very quickly, it's 12.05. I'm watching the time. Is Joshua chapter 7. Just very quickly, look with me. Because this is another thing God said to me very recently. I'm, you know, that strife one was just last week. And this one was just last week in preparation for this sermon. I didn't even really know that this whole year. But now that I look back at seeing some of the things where people have striven or strove, whatever you want to call it, with me or with congregation members and how there has been a removal, not by me necessarily, but by their own choice, Abraham didn't remove Lot. Lot chose to leave. And some people have chosen, but that's a good thing, my brother and sister, because we need complete unity going into 2024. And if you're a Lot sitting here, if you're a Lot sitting here, 
uh, questioning, judging, being critical in your thinking against your brothers and sisters, against me, against the vision. Little things, big things, it doesn't matter. I'm warning you. It is time for you to stop being so opinionated. It is time for you to humble yourself. It is time for you to be an Elisha and not a lot. Because if you keep that critical attitude and you don't deal with strife in your heart, you will be removed. I'm not saying I necessarily will, but I'm telling you, God, the doctor said, if you become a blockage to the anointing, the anointing will bust you. A lot of people say, well, God led me out. And they're actually ironically in a weird way, right? God did lead them out, but it wasn't his will. He led them out because they were a blockage. He prompted them to go, but because they were hurting the work, not because he actually wanted them to go. He wanted them to humble themselves and be a big supply to the work. So if you're a lot, change it because we're coming into a place where we require unity. And it wasn't just lot. There was a little bit else that was going on there as well. Oh Lord. I don't even know if I want to read all of this. You've got a Bible. Read your own Bible. It's take too long. We've got chicken in the oven. But Joshua 6 and 7, can I just summarize it for you? Because it'll be a lot faster than reading it. Listen, this is astonishing to me. Mary Chris, like, I did not know this until this week. The Lord said something to me, guys, and this is a, this is a word from God to me and to us. He said, you talk about Bethel, Jericho, Jordan, Jordan Plain, back to Jordan, back to Jericho, back to Bethel. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know where he was going. He said, you talk about your Jordan, which was your Jericho year, which was last year, 2022, year firsts. And now you're into your 23 attack year of Bethel. I said, yeah. He said, son, there's another parallel in my word that you have not seen about that. And I said, what? He said, when the children of Israel came into the promised land, they went first to Jericho. It was their first. Just like last year was your first. And he said, then they came out of that great victory. And they came into another city called Ai. This is what I heard him say. And they were not on the attack. They were attacked. They went to Ai on the attack thinking they're going to win. And Ai whooped them. And they were, uh, they were attacked instead of being on the attack. Do you remember? I said, Lord, I see that. And he said, and do you know why? He knows I know, but he's asking. I said, because of Achan. And he said, that's right. He said, what did Achan do? Achan did two problems. He touched what was holy because he took the, mo- the money from the, Je- Je- from the Jericho victory, which God said not one penny can be kept. It has to be given as a tithe. It's holy unto the Lord. He took that, some of that money, that silver, which was holy, but he also took a Babylonian garment, which was cursed. And the Lord said he touched what was holy and he touched what was sinful. And he said he came in, they came in to a year that should have been victorious. Now, I don't quite understand how all this works because my mind still, it bends my mind because God is saying something that's already happened, but he knew it was going to happen. But how could he have known? I I don't understand it. I'll be honest with you because this is where God is so much bigger and I don't understand him all the time. But he's telling me this. (laughs) He said, I knew you were coming in to a season of attack. 
And I told you through the Elisha and the children that this Bethel year was a year of attack. Okay, I understand that. He said, but there were reasons for the attack against you. And that is not revealed in the Elisha story. Because Elisha didn't open any door. But he said, I'm telling you specifically that there's another parallel beyond the Elisha parallel that applies to your church. And he said, you came for into 22 of first, then you came into your year like they came to Ai and it became an attack year, which I knew was going to happen. Just like they were attacked at Ai, you've been attacked in Bethel. And I knew it was going to happen, but there's reasons why it happened. Remember I said I hadn't didn't make war with those prophecies? That's part of it, but that's not all of it. He said, there have been people in your congregation that have been touching what is holy and there have been people that have been dealing with sin. And I said, Lord, I'll get a pen and a paper. Tell me their names. And he said, no. But he spoke to me this week. I don't fully understand how all that works, but I'm just saying he knew we were coming into an attack. He only told me the Elisha side of it, and Elisha wasn't wrong. He didn't open a door, so I never thought we had opened any door. But now at the over, he's telling me, yes, there's another side to this coin. There is a reason. You came into it. I knew you were coming into it, and I've still got bears to deliver you. But there's reasons why some of these attacks have happened, the greatest attacks in your whole ministry. There's reasons why, and part of it is because some congregation members have touched what is holy and have touched what is sinful. He didn't tell me exactly what. I don't know if he's talking about the tithe. I don't know if he's talking about other things because that's what Achan touched. I don't know exactly what he's talking. If, you're, if people are dabbling in, in witchcraft or occult or, or, or Ouija stuff or yoga stuff, which is demonic as well, I don't know what. But I heard him say, there's a touching of the holy and there's a touching of sin. And it has opened a door for these attacks. And I knew it was going to happen. And, I, and, I, and I was, I've already prepared bears to deliver you. But you must say it publicly. Get the sin out. If you're watching stuff, stop it. If you're touching things that are holy, stop it. Because there is a... It's not just a frontal assault. Jesus had frontal assaults. He never sinned. He never opened a door. We know it's possible to just be assaulted. But most of the time when you are and the attack is this long and this severe, there is usually a reason more than a frontal. There's usually a crack somewhere. And in that company, they had great victory and then they had great defeat because a man hid it, deceived That's another thing, hiding, deception, not coming clean, not coming truthful, touching things that are wrong, touching things that are holy. And the Lord said, it is wrong. And there's some reasons why this attack has come, but you're going to deal with this. I already know some stuff to deal with. None of your business. But there's a lot that I don't know what to deal with because it's in your life. And I'm not talking about stuff for me. I'm talking about there's some things I know to deal with, not to do with me or my wife, but there's some situations I know to deal with. But, there's, but I know there's others that he is not revealing to me to give you dignity, to give you privacy, and to keep it between you and him. But I'm warning you, you better, you better deal with it. You better deal with it. God does not tolerate this. You say that's Old Testament. It's a parallel and a shadow and a type for what we're going through. You can't, the Bible says in Ephesians 5, don't give the devil place. 
you can't give him, a, you can't give him an inch. He'll take a mile. Praise God. So when he said that to me, I said, okay, Lord. So listen to me. He said, Bethel has been a year of attack. He said, it's also been a year of speaking in Revelation. He said, it's also been a year of getting strife out, Lot, and getting sin out, Achan. You can't go, see, really this year of attack is 2023. But then what happened is they went from that, they dealt with it, and they went into victory. They started after Ai, they started their season of unadulterated victory. And the Lord said, now 2023 is your year of attack. It's coming to an end. Son. 2024 is the first year of increase, the vineyard parallel. But he said, it's also going to be the beginning of your increase years of Hebron. That's what he's been saying. Just like after Ai, they had victory after victory after victory for the rest of their conquest. As we're ending this and coming into the next season, we're going to have victory after victory after victory because it's increase after increase after increase. I see the promise beyond Ai. I see the promise beyond 2023, the Bethel year of attack. I see it. It's, I see what's happening beyond, Jenny, and it's good. It's good days ahead. It is victorious days ahead. It is awesome days ahead. But if you don't deal with Achan, you don't have a right to move in. So if there's any Achan in your heart, now that sounds funny, because some of you are thinking, like John, if you got an Achan heart, achy, breaky heart. No, that's not what I said aching heart, like my heart is aching, Pastor Greg. Help me. No. <laughs> if you've got an A-C-H-A-N, any aching in your heart, any touching holy things that don't belong to you, any touching sinful things that you know you shouldn't and you're hiding it and deceiving, if there's any of that, I strongly urge you before we end this year, make it right. Make it right. Because we, want, we, we need victory. We're going to have it. If people don't listen, Jenny, God will remove them. We're still as a whole going in because I've made, I'm doing what I need to do. My responsibility as an office in this church is dealing with things and doing what I need to do, both in strife and in sin. And it's hard sometimes because you love people, but, you, but I can't allow it. I won't allow it. I have the word of the Lord on it. And if I disobey him, I'll get sick. This church will start going downhill. Hallelujah. It's not going to go downhill. We're going to be fine. We're going to be safe. We're going to have beyond AI victory after victory after victory. 2024 is the first year of increase. It's the beginning of our increase years of Hebron. It's going to be victory after victory after victory. We might be starting in gear one, but I promise you 25 will go to gear two and we'll just keep ramping up until this, this pace and the momentum of this ministry is a mighty force like a hurricane. So, Heavenly Father, I close the service now in the mighty name of Jesus. I know that I've taken a little longer. I thank you for their kind attention and their, and their patience as I finish this last bit. Father, we thank you. They were talking about the mantle. This is an appropriate time to talk about it. And Lord, we thank you for that mantle that is helping us get into that office, that apostolic international work, which also enriches the local church, the pastoral office, and the domestic work. Nothing is lost locally because of the international. In fact, the local gets better. The local gets richer and stronger. Lord, this year has been a year where it has been a hard year, an attack year. It's been a year where you've also revealed and spoken much. And it's been a year where strife and sin is being removed because you're preparing us in purity to go into that new season of victory to get past AI, to get past Bethel, and to get into the Carmel year, the 2024 year of increase and abundance. Lord, I know it's coming just like everything you told me that would happen in 21 happened. 
Everything you told, and more than I thought it would. Same in 22, more than I thought it will. Same in 23, more than I thought it would. That's your pattern. Whatever I think, you usually go more. So Father, I know 24 is going to be a good year. It's going to be a better year. It's going to be a victory year. It's going to be an increase year. So I know that the pattern is whatever I think it's greater. So that means I think 24 is going to be good. That means it's going to be great. Because you always do more than what I think it's going to be. And I know you've told me 24 is a totally different flow. It's a different thing. We're going to see victory. We're going to see increase in our personal lives, in our health, in our church, in our numbers, in our finances, in our marriages, with our children. It's a year of victory. So I thank you, Jesus, that I've shared this. I've reminded them. I've read them scriptures to make this year clear so that they would be in the know and not wondering and walking around aimlessly, not sure what really is going on here. Lord, we know what's happened. And now we know where we need to check our hearts. Is there any bit of Aiken's attitude in our heart? And if there is, we need to uproot it quickly and remove it. That means that people are touching things that are holy, including the tithe. They need to quit that foolishness and get right. That means secret sin, people are doing things wrong that they know. Let them quit that foolishness and get right. Because, Father, we're going and we need unity and we need cleanness to have victory. Lord, I'll leave that with them and I'll let you work on them according to your spirit. I've done my job to proclaim it. I'm not the Holy Ghost and I can't work on hearts. My job is to say it. I've done that, Father. I didn't want to, but I did it because you told me to. And I did it boldly. I didn't hold back. Now I trust you, mighty Holy Ghost, as the great counselor, teacher, and comforter to now you deal with them privately, whatever they need to be dealt with. If there's not many don't need anything dealt with, but some do. So I thank you, Father, that you deal with them. They'll make things appropriate. They'll make things right before the end of the year. I give you praise and glory in the precious and mighty and holy name of Jesus. Thank you. Even though I'm happy to leave it, thank you for the Bethel year. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.